Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we are joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, their families, and the community. We'll also be discussing issues in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Check out our daily articles on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Hi, it's John J. Wiley. The Law Enforcement Today Radio Show is honored and thrilled to be part of the Federation for American Immigration Reform's Hold the Feet to the Fire Radio Row event, where 71 of the nation's top talk shows are doing their shows, and we're one of them. And we are doing this at the fabulous Park Phoenix Hotel, just blocks from the Capitol building. As a matter of fact, I was at the Capitol building earlier with at least 50 of America's top sheriffs and law enforcement officers, some real heroes and dedicated public servants that I met today. As a matter of fact, let's get to our first guest on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at helpforourheroes.com. The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse, addiction, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. Finally, our heroes have access to a world-class program for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and more. In addition to multiple rehabilitation and holistic treatments for all those that suffer from substance abuse problems, the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center is a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program where law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the separate and highly specialized treatment they need. Their program features first responders and veterans helping first responders and veterans. Got questions? They have the answers at the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at helpforourheroes.com. Joining us in the beautiful, fabulous Park Phoenix Hotel, we have two special guests. We have Sheriff Mark Lamb and Chief Deputy Matt Thompson from Pinal County, Arizona Sheriff's Department. Did I get all the pronunciations close, close. right? Matt Thomas. Matt Thomas. Yeah. I threw a son in there. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. Mainly because I feel like I'm old enough to be his dad. You know, <laughs> you when said, you get yeah. older and older, <laughs> I know something happens. I look at police. I go, I know. How, is he even old enough to drive? Right. I mean, how does it? And he's pulling me over. So it, it's maybe it's an age thing. I don't think he's got to. Hey, it happens to me too with the young cops. Yeah, they're getting young. <laughs> I think I'm getting older. I think that's what it is. Yep. <laughs> We had we a chance are. to do a walk earlier today to the Capitol building, and I know you guys were out there. It was it was warm, and I appreciate what you do. Before we get into everything, being a retired cop myself, I want to say thank you for your service. I know what this entails. I don't know what being in law enforcement administration entails. 
I know what the job is. Neither do we. Working away. Oh. <laughs> We're figuring it out. <laughs> so I know what comes along with the territory. And, and a lot of people listen don't. So that's part of what we want to do here at Law Enforcement Today. But obviously, we are here for the Federation for American Immigration Reforms Hold the Feet to the Fire Radio Row event. We want to talk about immigration, in particular, the illegal immigration. People love to use weird terminology and political correctness. Uh, how does that affect your agency and, and your community? Because I know you guys are close to the border. Yeah. So we're about 60, 70 miles off the border, depending on where you're at in the county. On the south end of our county, we have an Indian reservation that actually runs into Mexico. So that's one of our biggest challenges as far as the immigration is concerned. We're not on the border, but we have three to five, we average three to five apprehensions a day. Really? We have an aviation unit that's dedicated to that. Not to even mention all of the humanitarian stuff we do with Border Patrol, where we're actually going out and trying to save people out in the desert that the cartel has left for dead. So years ago, I had to go to Tucson, Arizona for about a week of computer well, training, and the Sonoran Desert was around there, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking, my God, as soon as I got off the plane, my eyeballs dried out, <laughs> my, my nose dried out, my mouth. This has got to be the driest place on earth. And these people are walking for days. Yep. Um, uh, days and nights in that environment. And it gets really cold at night. It's a brutal yeah. environment. Sometimes it gets cold at night. Yeah. There's a big shift. There's like a 40, 50 degree shift sometimes. Yeah. So it might be 110, 120 during the day. You know, I might Well, drop to down your there. point, I think people miss the fact that these are still people and right. we are still law enforcement. And so, uh, like last time I was up with our air unit, we were out flying a Border Patrol mission. And uh, sometimes we're the only asset. So uh, what they call X-ray is Border Patrol's strategic room. And they're looking at all the the air assets in the air. And uh, it's the Tucson sector. So being the only air asset around, there was a 911 call. And it was a group that had gotten abandoned by their coyote. And they had a guy that was hurt. And so we... And they're left to their own devices. Yeah, yeah, they're they're just left alone. So they're basically... They call 911 and say, hey, there's a guy that's not doing so well, and here's where he's at, and and they leave, and they just leave him behind. So we go in with the air asset and with some Border Patrol agents to try and locate him. We locate him. While we're trying to get to that person, and you got to understand, some of this terrain is rugged, and and they usually fall out at the most inopportune places that are hard to get to. So it's hard to get to this guy. We're, we're trying to put the chopper down so we can get some of the Border Patrol agents off to uh, render aid. And as we're doing that, there's seven more 911 calls in that valley because this was a very large group of about 50 that had broken up. And they started having people fall out left and right. And so they're calling 911, and, and we're having to deal with that. And that's one of the things that people, I don't think, get when it comes to modern-day law enforcement. And it was to some degree in the 80s when I was policing you had a lot of first aid training. My biggest fear was delivering a child. I never had to do that. But nowadays, law enforcement officers, it's not just, as a matter of fact, a small percentage of the job is about putting handcuffs on people. It's about public service, and a lot of it is about rendering aid to those who have medical emergencies. The amount of training your men and women must go through for Narcan, when to administer, when to do this, childbirth, uh, heart attack, whatever it might be. I don't know how the... how do you do that? How do you approach that? You just do it. You know, and that, that's really <laughs> I it. Get part. That's it's really, like, where do you get find people willing to do the job? Say, like, oh, by the way, not only do you know law enforcement, you got to know the constitutional law, you got to know state law, well, not only that, our policies, but you got to be able to save lives too. And the sheriff's offices have become the largest mental health institutions across the country <laughs> yeah. as well. So we're not equipped. We were originally not equipped to do any of those things. Not, right. not we personally, but as a profession. 
you know, we've had to just adapt and overcome. And I think that's what law enforcement guys do. I've been doing it for, for decades. That whole shift with homelessness and mental health started in the 80s. And I, just, without going into politics, it was from right here in Washington, D.C. said, hey, we're going to change the way we deal and put all these people on the street and make you, us deal with it. You can't cry about it. You just have to adapt and overcome and keep yeah, going. And, and one of the things we've done, because mental health is one of the big ones, right? And and that's one of the big things that our officers have to deal with. And you know this, it's it's uh, kind of a, it's a little bit of a, I don't even know how to explain it, but the saying is you can't fight crazy and you can't. No, yeah, you, you cannot. You, you, you get a crazy person or a person that's mentally unstable, You they fight like Superman, they fight like they're on PCP+. Plus. When you arrest them, if they're truly mentally unstable, they have no concept of what they're doing. Right. So you now have to... So we're arresting people that have a true problem, putting them in a jail that's not solving that problem. They go through the system. They usually get released because the attorneys can't charge them because they're mentally unstable. Right. They get back out on the street. They commit the crimes again, and it's just a vicious cycle. And we've, we've as law enforcement, we've been pounding on the table because we're a rural county. And so what happens is the Metro Phoenix area, they have great services and law enforcement gets great mental health services. The outlying counties like ours, not so much. And so we'll call and we'll call for help for mental health help. And either A, they won't help us because they don't get the funding for our county or B, they'll give us an hour, two hour response times. And our guys can't wait with a person no. for two hours. So it goes unchecked. And so we start pounding on the table and telling these mental health professionals, this is your job. Do your job because we are going to have to end up hurting or killing one of these people because of the circumstances. And we're tired of dealing with that. And we're tired of being made the bad guys. So we're going to point the finger back at you and say, do your job so that we don't have to deal with this. Help us help these people because we can't arrest our way out of this problem. No, you can't. One of the things you hit on that's really, really crucial is you can't reason with crazy. No. And, and now the term they use nowadays is emotionally disturbed. Well, right. that could be anybody who's their, their football team lost, their wife's mad at them, or, <laughs> they or got whatever might be. on yeah. Facebook. <laughs> now, I've been emotionally disturbed many times, a couple times a day, as a matter of fact. But when someone is crazy, that doesn't mean they're not endangering your life. And, and we all carry, many of us have been in law enforcement a long time, carries physical scars from crazy people who are not mentally or legally responsible for what they did. Right. But it doesn't mean the threat to your life is any less. Right. And when you have to use deadly force, you don't want to use it on anybody if I have to. I want to be the baddest, baddest guy on earth. But usually it's not the case. Right. It's some kid who's schizophrenic and his parents don't take care of him right. and no other social agency does what they're supposed to do. Right. What people do is they, they accuse us, the police, across the nation of being these jackbooted thugs and we're out to just kill everybody. And any cop that has been in a life or death situation, and especially those that have had to use lethal force, understand this more than anybody, that it is an emotional scar that you don't get over. You, you just don't, it doesn't go away. Right. And, and people don't Whether understand Whether the person that. died or lived, it right. doesn't go away. It exactly. becomes part of your, your DNA. Right. Uh, and and you talk and you, to some of these officers, officers that get demonized after they've had to defend their life, and then they're demonized in the media because it was somebody that was fit an agenda. So let's run with this and make the officer the bad guy. Those officers, I, I just like I feel horrible when I see those stories. And and we pray to God, you know, for our officers that they don't have to use that because we're going to support them as the administration. But there's only so much you can do. That's right. And, and, you know, and going back a little bit, same topic, but going back to Border Patrol and ICE. These guys are out there saving people every day out in the desert. Uh, so are our local agencies, our other sheriffs. And then to get blasted by your own government 
uh, by politicians uh, for what they're doing, for doing their job and saying that they're treating these people poorly when they're putting their life on the line every day. Look at all these rescues out of the Rio Grande. Look at uh, all the rescues we have out of the desert. So it extends to that, too. I just wanted to make sure that Border Patrol and ICE got their kudos. Absolutely. Yeah. They're dealing with these things on a daily basis. And most people don't realize how much humanitarian, how many lives they've saved every day. Well, and you get That's these- the majority of it. We're going to take a short break. We're talking with Chief Deputy Matt Thomas. I got, got it right it. that way. Nailed and it. Sheriff Mark Lamb from Pinal County, Arizona Sheriff's Department. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Epidemic. America's public health crisis. These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost and heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888 888- Nine nine one nine seven two five. That's eight 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 nine nine one nine seven two five. And online at transformationstreatment.center. Back to our conversation with we have Sheriff Mark Lamb and Chief Deputy Matt Thomas from Pinal County, Arizona Sheriff's Department on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Pleasure to have you gentlemen here, and again, thank you for your service. We are at the Federation for American Immigration Reforms Hold Their Feet to the Fire annual Radio Row event, 71 top talk shows across the United States, and I'm thrilled to be one of those, and uh, it's a great visit. And we're here to talk about the immigration crisis and, and how people hear on the national news, they hear these vague reports, and they love to portray the immigrants. My grandparents, by the way, immigrated from Ireland in the 19, right around 1930, and when they were told when they came here, you get nothing. And you're responsible, your family is responsible to take care of you. Uh, it's on your own. And by the way, I'm applying for dual citizenship in Ireland. And one of the first things I'd say is, you don't get any benefits when you move here. You're responsible for your own health care, your own health insurance, and everything else. And that's a very liberal country. And yet, here in America, you talk like that. It's like, oh my goodness, there's something wrong with you, you Nazi. You're bro- racist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but here's what, this is what we tell people. We have a, pro, a, a process in place. It's absolutely. That's the problem is these people are trying to circumvent that process. They don't think that it should apply to them. And it's the cartel driving that. And the cartel- I'm glad you said that. 99% of the time, it has a nexus with human trafficking and drug trafficking. Mm-hmm. And so the immigration is, is hardly, is a negligible part of it anymore. This is the cartel's business. You know, Chief Thomas could probably tell you, but 10 years ago, a guy could cross over, maybe 15 years ago, could cross over, work, and go back. You cross over now without paying the uh, the cartel, you got big problems. Oh, yeah. Didn't I just read recently, uh, in the last few weeks, about a big police chief in Mexico was found murdered yeah. uh, and decapitated in Cancun. Cancun, by the way, one of the top tourist destinations 
for people from the United States <laughs> to go. One of the top cartel destinations. And that's well. one of the things I don't think people really get. It, it's They think it's a mom and pop and some kid wanting a better life. And they're yeah. coming from Guatemala or El Salvador or wherever else it might be. And they're going through a totally other country to get yep. to us. And a percentage of these people are violent criminals. You might be too young. Remember the Mariel boat lift from Cuba mm-hmm. when Cuba just basically emptied their prisons and yep. mental hospitals and shipped them to the United States. We have a right to know who's coming in. Absolutely. Right. And by the way, are you a decent guy? Are you, be, are you a pedophile who's raping kids? Look, I want to know that. Well, and, and I think people, one of the big points that people miss in, in, uh, when the sheriff was talking historical, if you look at the historical part of Mexico, because I have a, a my wife is first generation. Her mom was a Mexican who got her citizenship, and they come from the state of Chihuahua. And if you look at any of those states in Chihuahua, it the culture has shifted. It is now a narco culture, and the narco culture rules the day. And so, for instance, my wife's family, they had a bakery. They had a little store and a few houses. They got ran out of there because of the extortion by the cartels. And so people don't understand it. It's a failed state down there, and it is being run by the narcos. And so when they're sending people up, it's no longer the mom and pop that are looking for a better life and are trying to... There are a few that are running away from violence, Mm -hmm. but the majority that are being sent up are with a purpose, like the sheriff said. You have kids that are being caught with adults who they don't know. That's a pure indication of trafficking. They're trafficking these kids. They're trafficking them for sex, for all the stuff that that, uh, goes along with being bad guys. They're having them transport drugs as part of their payment to come through if they are coming here to get a better life. So there's... There's a failed state down there. The culture has completely shifted. It's no longer what it used to be. Uh, the family element down there is no longer what it used used to be. And now they're coming here and they're infiltrating and they're basically forward deploying. So they're shipping them throughout the U.S. and forward deploying them. And then they're putting them on assignments when, in whatever areas they end up in. So it's not the, uh, trying to get the American dream for a, a lot of no. people. <laughs> no. And that's why they always want to portray this. And if right. you or I or nobody else says anything negative, and this is one of my bones of contention, people who try to immigrate here illegally from uh, Western Europe, they're not treated the same as people who come up from Central and South America. And if you say something like that, then again, you're labeled right away as being racist. Right. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, I was always raised that people are from ethnic groups. So if you're from El Salvador or Guatemala or Mexico, that's your ethnicity. Right. It's not necessarily your race. But, but I don't understand, and probably doesn't affect you guys as much of where you're located. People from, let's say, Ireland who extend uh, stay past their visa are a problem. But they are shipped out much quicker, and we don't seem to be talking about them. We seem to be focusing on the immigration of the southern border. Yeah, and, yeah. and how many people can get a visa and overstay? They have to fly here. What we have is open borders. Right. You have a three-strand barbed wire fence. You know what's, I, I don't know if this will explain right, but the irony of it is you have these politicians on the left that want open borders, but those are the same people that think this country sucks. <laughs> so, like, why do you want open borders to bring people to a country you think sucks? It's not, either way, you're not, uh, that's not, doesn't make you a great person. Right, and a lot of them <laughs> promised to leave when our president got elected, and we're still waiting They're for still that. They're still here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the, I mean, the... the the fact of the matter is, this is still the greatest country in the it world. Is. People want to come here. Our government has done a very poor job. Our Congress has done a very poor job implementing laws and, and, a, and a clear path, a common sense path for people to come and participate in the American dream. 
But what we've done is we've created this perfect storm for the cartel to be able to bring human beings and drugs into this country, and they refuse to stop it. Yeah, and, and they run everything under the guise of immigration. Right. Well, and that's the 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 chief defense is is about immigration. So right. they can throw that on there and right. say they're trying to get the American dream. Yeah. One of the things I've said to people over the last thirty years. And they'll say, hey, this is a different subject. But you brought up cartels. And they'll say, hey, what's the harm me buying a you know, dime bag of reefer? I'm like, where do you think it's coming from? Yeah. Part of your money is going down to Mexico, to these cartels, and they're burning people in 55-gallon drums and cutting their heads off. Oh, yeah. Who do you, who do you think is giving them the money to buy weapons to do this kind of violence? Well, People, and they, people are a commodity to the cartel. That's all they care. It's just money. To them. And, and people are forgetting that these are now transnational criminal organizations. They are worldwide. So the Mexican cartel has become a worldwide enterprise. And so they have connections all over the world. And it's proven that some of their money goes to those groups that like to fly planes into towers and blow yes, up buildings yeah. and things like that. And also make threats against law enforcement. Right. I'm sure your, your people on the street have to deal with this all the time. We do. But, you know, we're the tip of the spear. So we're the last line of defense as far as the, the border is concerned. A lot of these people don't stay there. The cartel doesn't keep them there. They don't keep a lot of the drugs in our communities. Actually, they keep very little of it because that's the least amount of profit they make off of it. So they want to get the drugs out to Ohio and Chicago and, and all across Atlanta, America because that's really where they make their maximum dollar. And there's the least amount of border patrol and ICE in those states. And, and how, what, what type of drugs are coming from? the southern border oh i mean marijuana has dropped off only because certain states have legalized it but that in our county that's been the prompt the primary drug but we've had traffic stops with 56 pounds of meth eight pounds of of fentanyl um heroin heroin and see that's uh, the uh, when you talked earlier about uh people just oh what's wrong with smoking a reefer what's wrong with weed you know and i, I, uh, I don't really care right that's but, what you want to do go ahead but, but the thing is consider where you're getting it from and who who are you enriching and what are they doing with well, them? don't what, drive what with it in your car and what they've done is they've they've switched switched our culture to acceptance for that and what that has done has given a foothold to the cartels on this side because that is a commodity for them as well. And so if the, if the ability to make money off of that commodity drops, which it did when it got legalized in the, in the states, they have a business plan in place. And so their business plan was switch commodities. And so when we started getting legalized in the U.S., if you think that the cartel is not running the weed operations on the U.S. side, you're a fool. And now they started shipping up stuff that they don't have to grow. So manufactured meth is a big one. Fentanyl is a big one. That's the future of this country. Those two drugs are what they're pushing because they can manufacture them. There's no growing season. It's a higher commodity for them, and they run the weed commodity in the U.S. already. So, And all those things are deadly. Well, this is the Law Enforcement Today show. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. This portion of the Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. Everyone's welcome at the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page, where you'll find fun, informative, and enjoyable posts daily. Purebred, mixed breeds, rescues, we love them all. Be sure to like the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. How did I transition from police work to a career in radio? Plus, host of the syndicated Law Enforcement Today radio talk show and podcast. I attended the Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, where I learned by doing. 
at the Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, students learn in months, not years. For veterans, some or all your tuition could be covered by your VA benefits. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, training in audio, video production, television, sports, podcasting, radio, and web development. Get more information. Call 800-887-2346 or online at gocsb.com. For special offers and consideration, tell them you heard about them from Law Enforcement Today. Back to the Law Enforcement Today show. I'm John J. Wiley, joined by Sheriff Mark Lamb and Chief Deputy Matt Thomas from Pinal County, Arizona Sheriff's Department. Gentlemen, thanks so much for taking time uh, to be here with us on the show. We've been talking extensively about the immigration situation, the, the illegal immigration situation, how it's affecting your agency. And I try to stay away from things that involve money because people... If someone's listening, say, for example, in Seattle, they're like, well, what's this got to do with me? Hmm. Uh, this has a profound effect on, on your county yeah. and the taxpayers in your county and your state, because who's picking up the bill well, for well, your Well, let me activities? tell you how it affects Seattle, that homelessness. Where do you think those drugs come from that put those people on the streets in the first place? The, OD, the overdoses, the suicides, those are all precipitated or caused by drugs that have come through the borders of this country. I don't care if you want to say, no, they didn't, they do. And so the problems that Seattle has are directly related to the problems along the border. And that's what Americans are failing to grasp. And a lot of it is because they have politicians and the media that keeps just chirping in their ear that this isn't a problem. And most of these people that are saying that have never been to the border. They'd have never come down and looked to see what I'll we be honest. I don't want to go to the border. I, I told it's you. actually beautiful. Down I'm there. sure it is. <laughs> but I told you about my visit to the Sonoran Desert. Yeah. And it was like everything dried out immediately. Yeah. And I, I need some humidity a little bit. <laughs> well, there's none there. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, I forgot to tell you that I, I had to go to training all day long. And I went to my hotel room. And there's a big tarantula right on the door. I'm like, all right, yeah. you, yeah. you nice. go ahead and mess Scorpions, with me. I'm calling security. Snakes. I'm calling everybody. <laughs> I want nothing yeah. to do with this stuff. So that's like a, a foreign in place, but you you did a good job of explaining how this affects other communities. And it's not just Seattle. Baltimore yeah, is involved. It's everywhere. Philadelphia. California. New York. Um, I, I watched a show recently uh, about the pipeline and the different areas where these drugs are smuggled. Yeah. And the majority of them come from the southern border, and then they wind up hitting this pipeline in our mm -hmm. interstates. Mm -hmm. And back in the day, you know, back in my time, in a city environment, if I got a pound off someone, it was a lot. <laughs> or if you got a kilo, oh. which was a lot. Now, you got regular guys. I mean, regular cops, men and women, uh, really good at the job. They'll pull over a tractor trailer and have tons yep. of stuff. Yeah. And my first thought is, what's going to happen to that guy that was driving that truck? <laughs> He's probably not going to be alive uh, next week. Yep. And yeah. He's probably not going to jail. No, it's probably, I mean, it's, he probably won't go to jail. He'll probably bailed out. He'll, he'll run away. And then once the bosses find out, you're done. Right. Yeah. right. And I think that drives a lot of the violence, just in particular in Baltimore. I, I was on a street with kids I met when they were 10, 11, or 12, when I was a rookie policeman, and was there when they were taking their last breath. They, they, they got involved in the drug game. They shorted the dealer. They came up wrong. They baby sampled their own product to develop a problem. And, and they wound up getting shot and killed. Mm -hmm. And... This sort of thing happens daily in every part of the United States, and most of it's stemming through the southern border, not far oh, from yeah. here. Oh. We were just talking about that on the way back from the Capitol, you know, because there were some people that were coming there for uh, end the gun violence stuff. And, and if they just, if people would just realize the root cause of so much of the guns 
gun crime in this country are, like you said, they're drug dealers shooting each other because you lost a load or you used your whole load or you shortchanged the dealer or somebody who's high and needs their next fix and is willing to break into somebody's house and steal. And it's all intertwined. You, when you pull on one string, it's, it's all intertwined and it, and it comes back to protecting the border. And this is the one good thing that our president, he's a big businessman. I mean, he, he has gotten it from the beginning and he has come in and said, we've got to secure the border. And they have fought him tooth and nail on that. Most of these people are same people that five, ten years ago were on campaigning same, about border security thing, stuff. Yeah. And now they're acting like this is just appalling. Um, well, shame on them. And that's really... And, and people are buying it. People are buying it. I don't know. These people are narcissists, so they probably buy it themselves, too. Uh, it, it's part of the reason why I talked with a woman today uh, and her son died. He was 28 years old. Uh, he'd been you know, drinking heavily, started getting the drug scene, and he, he got some cocaine uh, mixed with fentanyl and had no idea, and it killed him. Yeah. And she was like, I didn't know he didn't live with me. He's, he's a grown man. And again, we had a very quick conversation. This has been going on for decades. And you said earlier, we were talking about the, the, the mental health facilities. Do your job. We are talking about Congress or the state legislators or even the Mexican government. Do your job. What, why is it? And it's a football term. Well, I'm going to tell you, the if, they, if they played for the Patriots, they'd all be out of a they'd job. They'd be fired, exactly. They'd all be fired because they do don't your, do their job. Do do your job. What's and I'm not getting a football conversation. They have four tenants up there, I understand. One is do your job, know your assignment, don't talk about something that doesn't involve you. Right. Stay in your own lane, basically. Another one was, uh, I forget, be respectful. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think. Uh, not that. difficult stuff. It's like the cowboy code of ethics. <laughs> and I think our, uh, our congressmen and women have. They really have completely forgot who they serve, yeah. and they think somehow that we serve them, and uh, that falls into their train of thought because they think, well, everybody serves me, and I'm here to push whatever agenda gets me money or gets me whatever I'm looking for rather than doing the right thing, which is hard to do sometimes, and it costs you, and they're not willing to pay the cost. So when they swear their oath to office, it's not a true swearing of, to that oath because they're not upholding the constitution they're not upholding their oath they're actually failing miserably and they're not serving the people who hired them and you know quite frankly like we talked about on capitol hill just a little bit ago it's time to uh fire some of these people yeah and if you had a i'm not sure what term you use if you had a patrolman who did those things who didn't do their job didn't know their assignment were disrespectful all the time uh always put the blame on someone else would they have a career? Would they have a future with your agency? No, no they'd be a congressman. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I uh, did a, an interview with, I want to say it was BBC, and, and at the end, the lady, the, the British Broadcasting Company, at the, lady, they, at the end, the lady asked me, she said, um, is, is this the cartel's fault? And I said, no, it's not the cartel's fault. You'd be naive to think it's the cartel's fault. Do they play a part in it? Yes. Whose fault it is is we, the Americans. It's us. Because we have a user problem. We use the drugs, and we continue to put the same politicians in, in, in office, and they've failed us time and time again, and we keep putting the same people in. So we're the problem, and the cartel is taking advantage of us. But that's the other thing is in America, we don't take responsibility anymore. We see it every day in law enforcement. Ah, oh, those aren't my pants. Or, oh, yeah. It, you know, <laughs> that's not my purse, or I didn't put those in there, or whatever it be. 
we have got to start taking responsibility. The cocaine for flew in my open car window. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah. the kind of excuses. And in law enforcement, you get used to dealing with that. When you have someone, and I'm sure you're going to shake, nod your head right up, turns around and is forthright and honest and open. He goes, yeah, you got me. My bad. <laughs> it's like, what? Where did you come from? Right. Yeah. Yep. And I've seen it. Uh, well, I'll uh, give child you a perf- abuse. It doesn't matter what perfect it is. It's, example it's, is it's I, I have a, um, a story from a guy that I, I caught a guy doing 95 one night and I pull him over and I walk up and he's shaking. And I said, do you know why I stopped you? And he said, yeah, I know why. And I said, why? And he says, well, I was, I was doing 95. And I was like, holy <laughs> you you're the first guy that's ever been honest. Like you're right on the money. That's exactly what you were doing. And he's like, "Yeah, new car. It's a fast car. I, I wanted to I try had, it out. I had to check so, it out. I did. Yeah. And so I said, you know what, dude? I kudos to you for being honest. No ticket. Just don't do that again. It could have cost you this much money. <laughs> I'm gonna say this before we get a break. I, I'm retired police. I don't know if anybody likes being pulled over for any reason. No. And yes, I still get nervous. I, I know I've had it. I've been pulled over once. I think the last 20 years. It's a simple way to avoid interactions with law enforcement. Go like within 10 miles over the speed limit. It, it's very easy. Yeah. And, and then uh, when don't you be do have interaction, be respectful. That's all it takes. We're, we're talking with two great guests. We have Sheriff Mark Lamb and Chief Deputy Matt Thomas from Pinal County, Arizona Sheriff's Department. This is the Law Enforcement Day Show. Take a short break. We'll be right back. The Law Enforcement Today radio show has grown so much and so rapidly. We now have two Facebook pages. You can do a search on Facebook for law enforcement today radio show that's a new page be sure to click like when you get there and follow in addition we have our main page which is law enforcement today so do a search on facebook for law enforcement today and be sure to click like and follow that one as well like i said we've got two facebook pages now so when you have a chance if you haven't done so already the easiest way to keep up with all the news and updates regarding the law enforcement today radio show Also, a great way to interact and contact me is to like and follow our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. The Law Enforcement Today Radio Show is brought to you in part by Left Chest Society T-shirts from Honor-Line.com. These unique tombstone-themed T-shirts are designed by a career law enforcement officer, art by one of the nation's top artists. Check them out online at honor-line.com. Get one or get all three. Use promo code LET at checkout at honor-line.com and get 10% off. Go to honor-line.com and use promo code LET at checkout to save 10%. That's Left Chest Society t-shirts only at honor-line.com. Use promo code LET to save 10%. That's promo code LET at honor-line.com. When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. I'm John J. Wiley, host of the Law Enforcement Today Show, joined by Sheriff Mark Lamb and Chief Deputy Matt Thomas from Pinal County, Arizona Sheriff's Department. Gentlemen, thanks for being here. We've been talking quite a bit about the immigration issue and also cartels, drug involvement. With that comes a lot of violence, and there's really no way of sugarcoating it. 
I used to think when I was in Baltimore as a policeman that guys like you in more rural counties had it easy. <laughs> that and, and I was very, very wrong. First of all, we supposedly had like 2,800 police. If I had a problem and got on the call, the radio and called for help, they'd be there like 50 police in, in 10, 15 seconds. This help was real close. That's pretty good. You guys are spread far apart. You might get another guy. In yeah. 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and literally, you could be in a car stop and it could be the guy going 95 or someone going 68 and you don't know who you're dealing with. Right. Which, by the way, America, when the officer doesn't seem really friendly right away, it's because they're trying to stay alive. Yeah. And you could be Amen. in a fight for your life in a matter of moments. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I've had that exact conversation when, because when you're first dealing with somebody on a traffic stop, especially out in the middle of nowhere, you're on guard and you're doing things a specific way for a specific reason. And it's to stay alive. And people are like, wow, you're really this or you're really that. And I'm like, well, hey, I'm sorry, but like, we don't know each other. No. And, uh, you I know, there's officer friendly until right. I get a chance yeah. to know you. Right. There's people like you that have tried to kill me. So I really don't know who I'm dealing with. So, you know, we're going to work through the, the first part of this and then. You know, we'll get to the officer-friendly part if everything goes okay. If, if it does. And again, the other person has a lot to do with that. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, people seem to think that we have a lot of power. You have arrest powers and those sort of things, but you don't have the ability to control what someone else is going to do. Right. So if a guy, for example, the newspaper report, officer shoots unarmed man. And let's just say this is a guy who's on parole for bank robbery, has mental issues, has an alcohol problem, and he decides to drink, he decides to drive a stolen car, he decides to flee police, he decides to get out in a foot pursuit and fight police and go for the gun. They don't talk about that. They talk about the end first. Right. And it's always a thing about police. All the decisions that person made, if he didn't make one of those choices, he'd still be alive today. Mm -hmm. uh, and that officer had to go through that uh, to survive, because my jo my goal was to go home that night, Absolutely. the best of my ability. And I'd be tried by 12 and carried by 6. We, that's how we lived. So they got to deal with the after effects of that. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize we're going out and we're dealing with people's worst experiences, usually. The, the worst times in their lives, we're having to show up and deal with it. Yeah. You know, our guys have problems, too. Mm -hmm. Our guys have bills to pay. Our guys have fights with their wives. Our guys have issues with kids. You don't think that they don't have that burden, those burdens when they come to work? They do a dang good job putting away their own personal stuff to be able to go out and deal with somebody else's well, I stuff. I think that gets lost a lot of times, too, because you, you, especially us as a rural county, sometimes you're it and you're handling all the calls. So I may have just come off of a fatal where a kid got killed. And now I'm having to put on a happy face and deal with you and your problems next. And sometimes it, your emotions get the best of you and you're not the best person when you show up to take that call and you're kind of fed up with people in general. And, you know, that can show and, and people just have to understand that we are, we're people too. And we, you know, I think at our office, we've done a good job, especially recently when, when Sheriff Lamb took office, one of the things we were focusing on was our peer support program and making sure that we had a good program in place for for a support internally to be there. So that because we know that as cops, we don't like talking to counselors. We don't like talk, doing the little group. I didn't debriefs. want to talk to anybody, right? Because you know, I mean, I quite, work. I want to find a way to make it all just disappear. And quite honestly, and you you when you're talking to these people. They don't know what you know. They haven't seen what you've seen. So I'm not going to talk to them about stuff that they don't understand. And so uh, we've, we've really strengthened our, our peer support. And we've found that is a key because 
we're supporting each other and it makes it more like a family environment. So if I have a problem, I know that I can go talk to so-and-so and I trust him and I know that he's been through some stuff too. And so we can talk about things and he can help me work through my problems. And so that has really helped our cops and our agency because we all know that suicide, PTSD, that's all a huge problem right now. We're finally addressing it and actually embracing it. It's been the 800-pound gorilla in the corner for right. a long time. And a lot we're of, finally talking about it. Yeah, and a lot of us don't realize the impact that this stuff has right. had. I responded to a call. I was just leaving for a youth group in the morning on a Saturday. The call comes out a couple miles from my house. I show up on the first on scene, and the guy had just shot himself in the head. And the guy who had called it in is struggling like he's ready to throw up and that should be your natural reaction to seeing something like that but we become so desensitized to it that i think that a lot of times we forget how desensitized we've been which is why we did the peer support because you don't you forget how much how far you've come from where the actual normal reaction should be to what we've been conditioned to to react to because we've seen it all. And we've, we've seen so much. We've tried to, uh, a big part of what we're doing is trying to incorporate the spouses too, because we know that you change as a person. And so, you know, we have a high divorce rate. More than a slight, right. slight amount. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm not it's, the same guy I was when I was 19. Exactly. Not even remotely close. And understanding that, we want to involve our spouses too early on. So from the academy on, they understand that the person you married is not the person that's going to be by your side over the years to come because they're going to see stuff that changes them and they're going to be a different person that you have to help adjust. And I'm glad to hear that you guys are doing this because quite frankly, in the United States, we're very fortunate. We live in a society where almost every part of the United States, if you have an emergency, you can call 911 and someone's coming there. And that's a lot of luxuries that a lot of countries don't have. And we want that person to respond to be in the best shape possible, both mentally and physically, to take care of our community because they deserve it. Right. But we... If, any agency that puts all the emphasis on their citizens and doesn't pay at least equal attention to their their rank and file right. has got it out of balance. They you all, gotta they take care of both. Do. Well, they got to understand that, like the sheriff, myself, our deputies, we're community members too. When I take this uniform off, my kids go to school, I go to the stores and I shop. I'm I'm a part of that community, so it's not any different because I do this job. And so we want our people to be healthy. We want them to have healthy life because they're out in the community as well. And I think the healthier they are mentally and the more they're able to deal with the things that we deal with on this job and their families are as well, the better off the community is served and the better off the community is because they're a good functioning community member. Cause we know those cops that have done a lot of bad stuff, seen a lot of bad stuff. They become very recluse and they're, they're not a part of any community. I and, mean, and they, their families suffer. It's not just right, them. Right. One of the things I would like from your perspective, uh, your chance to talk to America and say, I've heard people say, I, my police officer in my community is not approachable anymore. And I often think that's got to do a lot with the community, not the police. And maybe there's a little bit of both and forth. But this is your chance from your perspective to say, what would you do different? What would you ask people to do? I ask people to just be a little bit more empathetic. And that goes for our our deputies and it goes for our our citizens empathy is not you don't have to be compassionate empathy is understanding what somebody else is going through and understanding their feelings the person that is uh, having an issue with the deputy should understand that the deputy is having to make some tough decisions the deputy should understand the things that have led up to why he's at this person's house 
I think that if we all had a little bit more empathy, and this goes for the political side too, if we all were a little bit more empathetic as to one another's feelings and why you think the way you do, we can kind of find a, some, some common ground and some middle ground. So I would say that we all need to be a little bit more empathetic, a little bit more kind to each other, and that goes both ways. And I think we'd, you know, you'd have a lot better interactions. Yeah, and I think uh, uh, on that point, a lot of the type A personalities take that the wrong way, and they they take that. If you if you as an administrator say that to some of your type A's, they're going to say, "Oh, you want me to be hug a thug?" You know? No. And it's like, no, that's not what we're asking. We want you Just to be don't a be human Charles being. Bronson every minute of every right. day. You know? <laughs> Just be a human being. Like, if this were your family, how would you want to be right. treated? That's it, it. It's not that difficult, gentlemen. I'm so glad you came. You talked about immigration. You talked about the cartels. He talked about drugs, drug violence. He talked quite a bit about also peer support and, and trying to provide the best law enforcement officers for communities. It's very much appreciated. And anything I can do for you or lawenforcetoday.com can do for you and your agency, please feel free to let us know. Thank you. Thank you. And we thanks so much it. for being guests on the show. Very much appreciated. And thanks for being having us. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us here at Law Enforcement Today. On behalf of everyone associated with the show and the website, this is John J. Wiley. Until next time, see ya.